You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. You look very thoughtful. Ethan has his hands clasped, <laughs> his fingers interlaced. Purely happenstance. You know, yeah. like, here's an interesting question for you. Okay. And then our listeners... This is this is really a rabbit trail. When you are praying, you're like in an intention, like bodily posture prayer. So like not just like if you're walking around or doing like if you're like, I'm going to be in an intentional bodily posture prayer. What do you do with your hands? Oh, boy. OK, that's very interesting. I have noticed like two things that I do, two scenarios, two uh, postures. Love <laughs> I, it. I think my go to is I'll just like sit on the edge of my bed, like cross legged. Yeah. And so um, either I might be holding a book, I might be holding the common book of prayer. Mm-hmm. This actually to say it out loud feels a little silly to me. And I think <laughs> I would be like, okay, weirdo, if someone else said it. But I, I think I kind of generally have like my, my hands up, like yeah. like turned upward, yeah. like but in my lap. And then the other thing is sometimes I'll just like sit on the floor and lean against yeah. my bed. And my bed is like really low to the ground. So yeah. like I can lean my head back on the mattress. And um, it's kind of the same thing. Like my arms are at my sides. Yeah. And it's just sort of like to eliminate all muscle input. You know what I mean? To, to like not be distracted in any way with like the way I'm positioned or holding myself in a certain way. I'm just to be as like in stasis, I guess. Stasis. What which, a great I don't word. know which one of those descriptions is weirder. <laughs> <laughs> but those are my, my two methods, I think. What? Uh. How about you? <laughs> no one was ready for this. I wasn't ready for this discussion until... Yeah, morning time, it's kneeling with palms up mm. like that. It's like I typically... You're actually holding your hands out. Well, so I kneel at the bed in our spare room. Oh, so that's where I do okay. my reading yeah. prayer. So I kneel there and I'll have my hands open, palms up uh. there. And then if I'm like when I'm praying corporately or oh. um, at the church or I'm walking around and praying or something like that in another, my secondary mode is arms out. Oh, wow. Arms out. And I will typically start head bowed and then like I end up at some point opening my eyes and lifting them up. Wow. That's Th- these are both bold choices. Yeah, look at that. Well, you know, it's the way that uh, Jesus and the disciples pray. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, don't turn that into anything superstitious, but yeah. I'm just curious about that. Because yeah. I do think bodily posture matters more than we would give it credit for. But again, you don't want to turn it into a superstitious thing. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So anyway, just curious. That is curious. Interesting That's discussion cool. there. I actually like you that. know what I mean? Interesting discussion. Mm. So yeah, not at all what we're talking about today. But uh, <laughs> That's you also are, true. You are, you are well, yes. Uh, I'm, you know, no worse for wear. I do have... If we have the time, a little side story, yeah, little introductory side story. As you well know, I had the joy of, of learning how to make some homemade bread at your house. Oh yes, yes. And um, I, you know, I did not at the time embarrass myself in the realm of cutting the bread, you know, getting. Those oh no, you cut the bread great. <laughs> That's great. Both Morgan and I were commenting on how perfectly proportioned and sliced the bread was. If you all need someone to cut the bread, I'm here. Of your house, Ethan is your man. That's great to hear. That's very um, that warms my heart. <laughs> Um, but you guys were kind enough to send me home with some bread. And, um, last night I was cutting some and I'm like, well, I'm going to cut the whole loaf and, and store some Yeah. and I'll just kind of snack on it. It's really amazing. Sure. Like, how do you get through the loaf and just like, whoops, I ate it all. <laughs> it's so good. And, um, I'm like, I'm going to do it even better. I'm going to do the perfect, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm like challenging myself. Like, oh yeah. Be even better score. cut. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and like my, my bread knife has hardly ever been used. So I'm like, it's razor sharp. It's so good. And then I get to the end. I'm just dealing with a heel at this point. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm just going to eat it. Yeah. So I'm like just kind of cutting up into like bite-sized, th- you know, pieces to snack on. 
and genuinely like the very, the very last cut, I go right into my finger. Ooh! And it was bad. Oh, the Band-Aid. I see that now. Was, I did not notice. It was real bad. Ooh. Like, not bad enough that I need to go see someone. I'm pretty sure that's not a thing. I think they would probably like put gl- like glue it or something like that. But it was... I bet it was bleeding. Yeah. It was enough that it's like, that is a pretty severe gash into my fingertip. And I need a Band-Aid so it like heals itself into a fingertip again. <laughs> Oh, jeez. So, Golly. I was, man, I got so close to the end, too. So I'm like, well, okay. The oh. Lord made pl- platelets for a reason. <laughs> Let's see them do their work. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, man. It's generally fine, but man, when you accidentally bump it, it's I bet like, it hurts. It's actually worse than when it happened. <laughs> I, I bet it is. Well, you know, because when you do something like that, I feel like the shock, the initial, like, not yeah. like trauma shock. I mean, like, just like the, oh, shoot, like. You feel it and you're like, I cut myself and mm-hmm. there's blood. And like, oh, I need to take care of it. Like, yeah. so that I don't, you know, get blood everywhere and all this stuff. The pain afterwards is always. That's exactly what happened, too. I looked down, I'm like, that's alarming. <laughs> I hope it's not too serious. And then I looked closer, I'm like, that's not great. Ooh, wee. Um, yeah. Man, you must have a good bread knife. <laughs> I wish I didn't. I cut the slices, but at what cost? <laughs> the bread was like vengeance. <laughs> Yeah, it was a time. Wow. Yeah. That is unfortunate. Mm. I'm I'm truly, like that sounded very not sincere, (laughs) unsincere. I received it. But I am, I am truly, that's not good. I'm sorry. I'll just, hey, you learn the hard way sometimes. (laughs) Hate to say it. Sometimes you do learn the hard way. I'll never forget this again. Alas, just like our folks won't forget (laughs) this lesson, we're going to learn the hard way. (laughs) Oh, I I love that. No, hopefully not. No, hopefully it'll be a helpful discussion and we'll we'll talk through things. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no, so we're beginning our slow but steady walkthrough of Ligonier's State of Theology survey, at least the big line items. And we'll begin right where we ought to, which is... At the beginning. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. I, personally, I oh. wanted to read the last page first, but I'm not here to be an agent of chaos, <laughs> so I'll comply. Uh, so you say that, but when I'm reading theology books and mm-hmm. philosophy books, I read the introduction and then I skip the conclusion. Really? And I read, that's what I read. And then I, you know, work my way through the rest, of course, but... I go straight for the conclusion after the introduction, because when I'm reading theology and philosophy, I want to know where the author's trying to get me. Yeah. Like, what is his conclusion? And then does he or she get there? Like, you can be present and aware of the of the argument as it's unfolding rather than necessarily being swept up without paying attention to the details. Yep. That's really good. Actually, I certainly appreciate that. Yeah. Obviously, I don't read stories that way because that would be (laughs) awful. (laughs) But uh, I recommend it for, you know, other other books of the nonfiction variety. So yeah. anyway, yes, but no, in this case, we will begin at the beginning. All right. <laughs> no chaos here. So the first statement that we're going to take a look at will get us into deep waters right out of the gate. So uh, buckle up or batten down the hatches <laughs> or whatever it is you do when you're getting ready to go out into deep waters. Right, life don't... jacket up. <laughs> That's me. Gotta get that life jacket. I've inherited... Life raft, buddy. <laughs> I've inherited the genes that mean I sink immediately. <laughs> I could walk on the bottom like the pirates and, and pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. That's just me. I'm just walking on the bottom of the... I can't help it. What a great movie. It's, I need to watch that again. It is so good. Anyway. Ugh. So, the so respondents to the survey were asked to respond to the following statement that I'm going to share with you momentarily mm-hmm. with one of five answers. Okay. So, here's what you could indicate. They ask you the statement and you can respond by saying either you strongly disagree, you somewhat disagree, you're not sure, you somewhat agree, or you strongly agree. Oh, boy. Okay, fair enough. I don't know what kind of person I am. I don't know if I'm always going one in five, or if I'm always going like, 
Yeah, you're partway there. Really depends on the wording for me. Yeah. And how we define terms, which is what oh, we're going no. to get into here. Okay. So, the statement they asked or made was that you had to indicate agreement or disagreement with. God learns and adapts to different circumstances. Oh, the AI God. <laughs> <laughs> of course. No. Chat GPT God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can already tell how we understand the wording is going to have... It's going to have some some implications. Yes, yes, it is, oh, and we boy. will we will talk through them at length. I mean, at length for a podcast yeah, episode. Well. You know, not like I'm going to I'm giving a lecture <laughs> on systematic theology. Like. Right. So we'll be considering the response from the general U.S. population and then evangelicals. Okay. And just so we're clear, so we talk about defining terms. Yeah. The survey <laughs> defined evangelical not referring primarily to a socio political block. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're not referring to that. It's a theological term used to identify someone who strongly agrees with the following four statements, which is one, the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. It is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their savior. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that can remove the penalty of my sin. And only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, yeah. Boom. Fairly familiar. Yeah, we're, we're right there with that. So. Before we consider the results, I do want to say, so again, here we are back to terms. This statement is tough, or at least I, in my humble opinion, think it is. Yeah. Here's what I mean. It's not entirely clear to me what is meant when we refer to God. And I know that sounds really weird. Like, what do you mean? What do you like? Of course. What? Well, what I mean is, are we talking about God as he is considered in himself in his perfect triune life? Like apart from any consideration of creation, are, are we factoring in the incarnation? Oh, yeah. uh, like in what way are we talking about God? I guess is what I should say. And I'm not clear based on that statement alone. Mm -hmm what you're trying to get at there. And that makes a big difference in how you take the statement. Yeah, they could Pretty really... Pretty big difference. If you really give some footnotes for this. Yeah, they, um, they, they could. They could. Yeah, I mean, you're already asking questions I hadn't thought of. I was actually wondering if this was examining maybe like a providence or um, like the word learns. It kind of messes me up, but maybe if you want to construe something like Adam's naming of creation as something that God gave him this charge and got to watch mankind's first expression of creativity. Can you yeah. can you kind of twist that into, oh, he learned what Adam, but yeah. I'm, I'm stretching it. And then and then you have adapts. Maybe you could take me to places where um, where mere mortals made requests of God and he acquiesced. And, right. and um, I, granted, I'm doing some wild gymnastics <laughs> to avoid like the plain reading of the statement. Because um, otherwise kind of, it just, it just seems kind of arrogant to me. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, in like the utter importance and the centrality of my life here and now. Watch, watch me, God. <laughs> Watch what I'm about. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you bring up some great points there. And um, here's the spoiler alert, okay? <laughs> okay. I think it's safe to say the surveyors clearly had in mind that this use of God was meant as a reference to his perfect, eternal, triune life considered as much as can be apart from creation. Sure. Which is already, you know, like that's a tough topic for us as it is anyway. You know what I mean? Like sure. that consideration. Uh, there are some who really are very, I would put it mildly, hesitant to even try to talk about God apart from the act of creation. I, I don't think that's necessary uh, because scripture doesn't. But <laughs> more on that in another episode. So here's what the survey says, okay? American evangelicals and the general U.S. population are essentially equivalent in their agreement with this statement. So that's, in other words, they agree God learns and adapts that's miraculous. to different wow. circumstances. Okay. So 51% of the general population agrees with that statement either somewhat or strongly, and 48% of evangelicals 
agree with that statement, either somewhat or strongly. So in other words, half of the U.S. population, Christian or not, if they believe that there is a God, believe he adapts and changes when considered according to himself. That's not, that's a lot of people that didn't even say not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. So again, we want to ask what does scripture say? And I'm sure some of us are already beginning to feel a tension about this because you mentioned <laughs> providence, right? Yes. And this does link up with that. Okay. So we'll get to that here in a moment. But first of all, let's just consider what scripture teaches. And it very plainly teaches that God, according to his divinity, does not change. His essential nature, no change. For example, Malachi 3.6, God says, for I, the Lord, do not change. <laughs> oh, there it is right there. Oh, oh, <laughs> like, okay. okay. Yeah. Like, okay, there it is. Um, you know, <laughs> case closed. No, no. In the context of that passage, of course, he's establishing the fact that he does not in any way act arbitrarily, but rather remains constant, steadfast. He does not change. Okay. See, you got that right there, though. Now you get an even more explicit statement, I think, in the Apostle James, when he further reinforces this doctrinal framework and says that God is the one, James 1.17, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Mm-hmm. In other words, like you're not even getting like <laughs> like the uh, the movement of like a shadow. Like there is there's no shadow even. Yeah. Like that's that's crazy. Like unlike the ever morphing creation, God the creator remains ever unchanging. Like you look at the stars, <laughs> nature, ourselves, like you see all this change, all this flux. What he's saying is compared to that because that's what he's been comparing it to. God does not change. I love that. He remains the same. I love that comparison because yep. it's like that it's just like the grandeur of God's creation. Yeah. And he made it ever changing. Yeah. Right. That's great. Yeah. And then, of course, you get in the epistle to the Hebrews, you get a double whammy because you have (laughs) the author there saying that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So Mm -hmm. not only are you getting the unchangingness, but also Jesus Christ is clearly being called God again. So you get both and there, which is just a nice little double whammy. (laughs) So so the statement that they're making really is trying to suggest something about his nature changing. Yes. Because I think if they'd straight up used the term change, I would have had less room to work around that and create excuses. Yes. Because I feel like, well, does adapt, does it really, does it really qualify as change? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, you, then I end up in the spiral of like, well, not sure is yeah. an option on this. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. And um, in addition to that, and here's where we get into like the providence and how does this work with his interactions with oh, yeah. creation. So if you're thinking about like adapt in the sense that I imagine they're using it, Mm -hmm. that would mean that God would have to, in some sense, not know the end from the beginning, right? Like if he's adapting or learning to come back to that other word. Learning to why that word. Yeah. Yeah. But you have God saying in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, I am God. There is no other. I am God. And there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. So he's up there like, again, this is him. There's this long section in Isaiah where he's comparing himself to the false gods of the nations. Mm. And he's like, not only can they not tell you that they can't, not only can they not predict the future because they're dead, they're (laughs) idols. I declare the future like and it declares and like I I make that happen. Yeah. Why are you so obsessed with bowing down to these stupid (laughs) statues? You know, like you (laughs) in classic Isaiah style, he's like you you chop down a tree, use part of the wood for a fire to make food, use part of the wood to build a house, and then you use the rest of it to carve a god (laughs) and call it a god. Like, do you not see the ludicrousness of that? Now, again, we're not yet factoring in the incarnation into a lot of this too. That's another aspect of this what we'll get into in, an, in another episode okay because that's a huge topic yeah right now we're just thinking about god as he is in himself apart from creation because he's not bound by time he knows and declares all things and so on like that's just what scripture says but when we think about the way god speaks to us and his interactions 
with creatures because he is this like all-powerful transcendent creator god he is able to again our language is so weak around this to come back to our initial episode we could say he comes down to our level so to speak Mm. and i'm actually just now reminded of um the story of the tower of babel yeah where they're building of course this great tower and like we'll make a name for ourselves and build a tower up to the heavens right and the text then says and god said let us go down and see what they're doing now, you read that and you think, just on the surface reading, like, oh, well, he doesn't know, so he has to go down and see. And the point of the text is not that. The point is, they're saying, we're going to go up to heaven, and we're going to be able to build a tower. And God has to be like, I'm going to go down and see what you're doing, because you're not anywhere close. Yeah, it really like, emphasizes it's ironic, like, you guys are stupid. Like, yeah. you know, like, this is ridiculous. And so that's kind of like, he comes down to our level to speak to us in a way that we can understand yeah. and get our heads around. It's like, for example, to take another perhaps more helpful instance. All over scripture, we read things like the hand of God or God is a rock, things like that. Mm -hmm. God says to Moses, I'll show you my back. Yeah. Okay. God doesn't literally woodenly have those things. Like he's pure spirit, right? That's what we see in the New Testament. God is spirit. He is the invisible, all-knowing one. Actually, in Deuteronomy, God says, I have no form. Like you saw no form on the mountain. But then he uses words like my hand, my back, to speak to us in a way that we can understand. Right. Like, with our hands, we do things, right? Like, we build, we make things happen. So when God says, like, with my right hand, I'll uphold you, he's using an image that communicates to us how he supports us. Mm-hmm. Because he's infinitely, like, he has infinitely more power than he would need with literal hands. You know what I mean? So metaphor becomes a huge concept for how we understand the way right. God speaks to us. Yeah. Likewise, when you read things like God had regret, um, you know, it's not like God like <laughs> made man. He's like, well, I didn't see this coming. So I guess I regret making them. Right. It's a very strong way of saying, look at how bad sin and rebellion is. Yeah. That God would so reveal it to us and speak to us in such a way as to say that he regretted making man mm. in, in the early chapters of Genesis. So you start thinking about this and then you start running through your mind. Okay. To your point, providence, foreknowledge, free will. How do all those things work? And we were talking about this before we started recording. Yeah. Um, and I think it's actually worth bringing up here. Yeah, let's do it. I think some people hear stuff like that and they think, well, if all that's actually true, then like, you know, what are we doing? Like, we're just, you know, puppets on a string sure. or whatever. And what's helped me think through this issue is to take the example of Christ's true divinity and true humanity, mm-hmm. right? You look at that and you think there's no way that one person can be both fully and truly God and fully and truly human. Right. Those things can't. can't. No. And all the ancient Christological heresies arose out of an overemphasis on one over the other. Of course. Because of you course. can't handle both, right? Like, well, I can't do, I can't deal with both. Yeah. And you so just I'm, default. Yeah. And you, so you just default to one. Uh, I had a professor who said, heretics sleep well at night because they can, <laughs> you know, they, they don't have any, you know, they don't have to do any submitting to the mystery of God. Yeah. So, you think about that, but yet Christians gladly affirm that. And we have for 2,000 years yeah. that Christ is truly God and truly human. Well, when it comes to God's providence and humanity's free will, same thing. Mm. Like scripture just affirms both. And oh, yeah. because God is transcendent, he can make that work in such a way that, yeah, he is truly provident and he knows all things like <laughs> he is present in what we're doing a year from now yeah i, I freaking like, love that you so know what much. i mean like it's, yeah he's there unbound by time yeah uh, and yet what i do is truly my free decision yeah and uh, i'm not like being you know pulled on a string to do that like it's really my free decision and i'll mm. i'll be held accountable for that and scripture <laughs> teaches both and it's just like the divinity and humanity of christ it doesn't explain the mechanics of how it works mm-hmm. faith simply submits 
to what God says because we believe God. And on the positive end of that too, here's the other thing that this doctrine I think really does for us on a practical level. It means very positively that God will not change his mind toward us on the basis of passing whims or feelings. Oh, man. Because I think the sinful dispositions that I sometimes take up and the sins I have to confess, Mm -hmm. what if God was a learning about that? Like I'm learning about it. And he's like, you know what? I think I'm actually, I I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. No. Uh, He's the God who does not change, who has set his everlasting love upon us and has determined not to let his own be lost. Like he's not going to change his love toward his people. Like Jesus saying to the harried and harassed crowds he spoke to, he said, those who come to me, I will never, ever cast out because he's the same yesterday and today and forever. Mm. And that's something that I think gives enormous comfort and confidence Yeah, to know that like you can go to God and think like, well, he just learned something new about me that might change his mind. Like, (laughs) oh no, like he, he already, as I think we're fond of saying here, like he knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah. Like he knows, he knows the sinful dispositions of your heart that you're not even yet aware of. Exactly. You know, I think sometimes like when I discover for myself the way I, react to something or the way I think through something and I kind of surprise when I surprise myself in a very disappointing way. And it's like, yep. oh man, I thought I thought it was past I, that. Yeah. Like, Surely <laughs> I could conduct myself better than that. And it is just like the reaction is shame. Yeah. And and I think especially like the things that you're like, oh man, I hope I hope they don't find that out about me. The, the you know, the people that are close to you, like, I hope I don't disappoint them. I hope yep. they don't think differently when they learn the mistake I've made. Yeah. Like how much scarier that would be. You know, With like oh, God. God of creation. I <laughs> yeah. surprise. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, just, didn't see that coming. Yeah. But no, that's that's not true. And so uh very thankful for that. Yeah. And uh it's just uh, another important reminder to make sure that uh, we clearly define our terms, <laughs> such as in the statement. You know so what I true, mean? So true. Yeah. There we have it. Mm, well, good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, if you heard a statement like that and you were tempted to say like, well, I don't know about that, you know, I get it. No big deal. I mean, well, I don't want to say no big deal, but like hey, an opportunity to like <laughs> dig deeper, an opportunity to ask questions right. and to learn more. Exactly. Because God is the one who says, I change not and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you as always for listening. And uh, if you have any questions on this or any other theological topic, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. Like I said, we'll be examining a number of these items over this mini-series, so be looking out for more of those. And if you, uh, you know, found this helpful, <laughs> want to leave an honest five-star review, you know, the uh, if you've uh, if you've perhaps uh, had a change of heart about us, or if oh, you've perhaps oh, yeah. not, Ooh. perhaps maybe you, you have loved us from the beginning, wow. and you have not. <laughs> that warms my heart. It might be true. Some might. singular listener. Some singular listener. Yeah, and you want to leave us uh, yeah, that review in the podcast platform. That'd be stellar. Mm. Well, thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time.